At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, Giant fans. Welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I'm the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper. And with me, as always, is the beat writer, the heart of Giants Nation. Nobody beats the biz. Chris Bizignano. And folks, we welcome back Dave Syvertson to the program, who's going to give us his post-Giants draft analysis. Dave, look, man, you, you killed it the first go-round. Welcome <laughs> back to the show, buddy. Pressure, pressure. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on, guys. Absolutely, man. Awesome, man. How about you? You know, I, I feel like I, I, I feel like I can have a come up for a breath of fresh air now. Now that all this, uh, <laughs> now that the post draft analysis is over. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave. Uh, you know, obviously, me and Jerry. You know, we want to commend you. Great job, man. I mean, tough man. And uh, you know, we'll get into it about who the Giants drafted and all that, but. Uh, you know, I guess you could come up, like you said, get a breath of fresh air now, brother. You've been uh, buried for a while. Yep, buried for a while, and then we dive back into the 2023 class probably about a month from now. <laughs> right, exactly. I saw, I, I saw that at the end of your column. I read your 10,000-word uh, um, oh, nice. War and Peace, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was excellent. And Thank you. you know. And at the end, I saw that. I was like, this, this guy's nuts. That's awesome. Good yeah, for you, man. Yeah, I know. Everyone's <laughs> got to have a, a strange addiction in life, and this is mine. So it, it's a good it, one it to have. Worked out. Yes, sir. Definitely All right, not. Dave. I need a scouting report on Archie Manning. The high school Archie kid. Man- <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm reading. Is he going to pick? That's all you're hearing about, man. <laughs> yeah. My my, uh, my money's on Alabama. Okay. Really? All right. All right. I do. We'll see. So, hey, Dave, listen, you know, we all know Thibodeau and Neil and all that stuff, but you know a lot of Giant fans want to hear your opinion on these other draft picks. So let, let's start off first of all. Ask you, uh, Wandell, Wandell, I think his name, Wandell Robinson from Kentucky. Were you surprised they went with him in the second round, Dave? And yeah. tell us, you know, give us your evaluation of him. What you, kid? Yeah, I mean the biggest thing I do, especially from my seat post-draft is I really do try to avoid the terms reach and steal and all that because I, at this point, we do, at our lads, we do post-draft analysis and we really dive into, I read every single transcript from every single team, from every single press conference. And, you know, 85% of those things are fluff, right? But you can find some value, valuable information in what some of these coaches and GMs say post-draft. And one of the common denominators that I see in every single draft is, these teams, they, they grade and stack players in their own respective fashion, their own way. And, you know, I think the draft media or just the media in general, we kind of look at things from our lens only. And 
I was personally surprised to see Robinson's name come across that early. But when you see these guys, these coaches, they have a very specific plan for him set up. And I think that they really wanted a specific profile at wide receiver. I mean, we talked about receiver prior to the draft. They had to add talent to that position, no question. I thought it was one of the biggest biggest needs on the roster if you look beyond 2022. And even though Robinson does not fit that profile of Galladay or even Sterling Shepard or what Darius Slayton was supposed to be, right, he fits a profile of a role that is going to be in this new offense that nobody else can really fill. And I think that's what should get us excited about Robinson. You know, we can talk about the size and we can definitely go into it, but I really kind of look at the draft as what can the guy do? What can't the guy do? And then what can the offensive system use that kind of talent? So Robinson might've been a fourth or fifth round pick for, but for the other half of the league, including the giants, they viewed him as a guy. When you pick someone in the second round, you're looking at him being the immediate con- uh, contributor, unless you're talking about a quarterback that really needs a lot of development. I think they have a very specific plan for him. And I got asked on a, on a different podcast, who are my top five favorite players in the draft? Take grades away. Robinson was one of those fives, and it's, it's documented. It was set before the draft. And I think, right. I think John fans should be very excited about him. Dave, yeah, just, was- yeah, Dave just one follow-up. Explain that a little bit more about, you know, you said he fits able wants to do and all that. Explain that. Get into that a little bit more about you know about the system and why they took him in the second round and what, the way they, that you think they're gonna play, they're gonna use him. So there's two things. I have two examples from Buffalo that we can use here. You have Isaiah McKenzie, who again you're not gonna look at Isaiah McKenzie if you're if you're a fantasy football player and say, oh man, he blew the league up. But I think the role in which they wanted him to play, a guy that can run the entire route tree a guy that can run underneath, you know, sharp routes underneath, but also you can hand the ball off to him. We forget, or maybe some don't know, Robinson was a running back in his early days at Nebraska. And then he kind of transformed to a hybrid, and then he ended up more wide receiver than running back. And I think Dable, that's how he tried to use McKenzie. It was in this return game as a slot receiver, as the occasional downfield threat because of the speed. And then also, you know, you hand the ball off to him. And, I think that he just didn't perform that well, McKenzie. And there weren't really high expectations. If I remember correctly, he was a fifth-round pick. You know, Robinson fits that profile, but just at a higher level. I also think the way that they use Cole Beasley from the slot, that could be where Robinson fits into play-to-play. And then when they have specific packages, you're talking about more about that Isaiah McKenzie role. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Giant fans, the average Giant fan, and I'll throw myself in there, uh, was surprised that they wouldn't go on the outside there, that, that now it's a very crowded slot position. What, yep. what do you say to that, dude? I, I do. My first question from the pick was, what does this do with Tony? And I do have to remember, or we should remember, that this regime did not draft Tony. And, you know, whether whether that report prior to the draft about Tony being on the ropes with the new regime or is a potential trade target – I don't think that's going to happen just because he's so talented and these guys on rookie contracts, it's, it's nice to have a talented player that you're not paying Christian Kirk money, you know, to with, with the, the, the wide receiver market is just going crazy right, right. now. So right. if you can cost control this talent and production, you know, Tony's not going anywhere, but I did, I did question. I thought Tony was this kind of player. 
a guy that can play the slot, a guy that can yeah. play the outside, a guy that you can hand the ball off to, a guy that you can put in the return game. I mean, yes, it helps to have two of those guys, but you know, you put where if you're going to have Tony Robinson and Shepard on the field at the same time, who's going where? Right. You know, it, it's it's a tough question to answer, but you know, I think this is where we have to, from our perspective, kind of just take a step back, and we're talking about Dayball and Kafka coming from Kansas City, two very creative offenses. They'll find a way. Dave, Dave, Robinson, good punt returner. Can be, can be. I think that he's got the skill set for it. It's funny when you're evaluating punt returners, unless you're talking about the kid from Houston, Marcus Jones, that went to the Patriots. You know, who I think he had eight or nine return touchdowns over the course of his career. You know, it it's almost like evaluating the cornerback position. They just you don't have a lot of data, actual objective data, to say is he a good prospect or a bad prospect in the return game. At the end of the day, you don't get that many looks as a returner. So really what you have to do is try to project the skill uh the skills, the talent level, and the skill set. That's what I was trying to say. And his stop-and-go quickness and then the actual long speed once he gets going, it's, it's a difference maker. So, And I think a guy this small, and we're talking small, we're talking all-time small, a 67-winching span, 27-inch yeah. arms, you know, he's 5'8", 185 pounds, top, soaking wet, right? That kind of can play to your advantage in the return game. You know, when you can quickly change direction and your pad level is just so small, it's you're a hard guy to grab onto. And Robinson's a strong dude. I think he had 18 bench press reps at the combine. Like that, for at that size, that's impressive. I mean, that's, that, you know, he's stronger than some lineman with that. And so I just think you're talking about a guy that's actually pretty powerful, pow- more powerful than he looks. So you know he's going to break tackles. He already runs low to the ground, and his stop and go quickness is elite. So yeah, to answer your question, I think there's a lot of potential there in the return game. Uh, you- question on Robinson, on sure. Dave. Should we be worried about his hands? We heard some stuff about he has some drops and all that. Well, he's a body catcher, you know, and that that always that always is you could say yeah, it's worrisome, you know, and that that's a hard thing to change in the NFL, right? If you don't attack the ball with your hands and you kind of rely on trapping the ball between your arms and your body, uh, that's what happens to a, t- a Darius Slayton. That's why we see the drop percentage go up. It's it's something that I think you should not be worried about right now. You kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt. He caught a ton of balls at Kentucky. So let's not, I don't want to put the, uh, the bad hands label on him. His drop percentage, I think was um, above average in a good way, right? He wasn't dropping more balls than the average receiver in college. Uh, but the catching mechanics and the hand size in general, I do think it matters. And it's something that we could, you know, if we start seeing him dropping balls and training camp and practice and preseason, then I think you can kind of put that label on him. Interesting you said body catcher. You know who was a body catcher? Amani Toomer was mostly a body catcher, but he was yeah, good at it. He didn't drop it, right? That's yeah, the difference between him and Darius Slayton. Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, I think Slayton probably has more talent than Toomer when you're just talking about the speed and the burst. But, yeah. you know, some guys, it's, it's coordination. This is when I think this is one of the things you really watch when you're in person. Yeah. When you can go to a pro day or you get to watch these guys practice or you go to the senior bowl and watch these guys live. Um, there are certain guys, and I remember learning this early on and then really seeing it when I got to scout the shrine practices, is it makes a certain sound when a guy really secures the ball on contact. Yeah. And there are some guys, they're the exception, they're not the rule that you know they can body catch at a high level. Um, 
But, you know, give me a guy that attacks the ball with his hands all day, and, yeah. and I'd rather kind of try to develop that. You, you brought up corner before, so I'll ask already. Uh, what can you tell us about Cordell Flott? Just, I think he's an excellent mover. He's one of those guys that moves on ice skates. You know, when you watch him move on the field, it looks like his feet are just like gliding on the ground. And he's just, he's a light mover. He, he can easily change direction. And that's a huge part of defensive back play, especially a corner in a man heavy scheme. You got to be able to change direction with like fluid, loose hips. And he can do that at a high level. And he's pretty aggressive too. And he played a lot of different defensive back roles at LSU in a defense that, especially over the last couple of years, there's a lot of turmoil in that in that whole entire program the past two years. And I think the lack of consistency with his role because of the lack of uh, sturdiness of that program in general, it might have impeded the progress a little bit. Um, I think that way about Stingley as well. I just think that whole situation was a mess down there that, you know, we really didn't get to see his best football. And that could be a good thing for the Giants. My concern here is... I think he's going to be a, a nickel only, a slot only, um, that could maybe occasionally play some safety roles and sub packages. And I just don't know if he's going to be physical enough. You know, but I need to see this guy gain some muscle mass so that he can have a lot of contact presence in these in these traffic situations because you're starting to see a lot of these offenses now trend towards more size in the slot, whether it's a big tight end or even increasing the size of their slot receiver. And I think that's where Flot's going to get into a little bit of trouble. His frame is small, small. So like if you saw him, one, one more follow-up, Chris. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 so yeah, it yeah. does see it does seem like again, it's a crowded slot. You know, yeah, <laughs> on both yeah, offense yeah. and defense, though. Yeah, I mean, you're looking. I think that's where Aaron Robinson projects the best. You have Darnay Holmes already. Yeah. Um, but hey, I mean, I'm all about right now. I said this to you guys prior to the draft, and I know this is going to rub some people the wrong way, but I think the roster building right now is about 2023. It's not sure. about this season, so. I think, you know, Holmes might not be in the picture next year, right? And I think right now you want to add as much competition to these spots as possible. And and that's when you really, when you put a bunch of men in the same room, if you put three guys trying to go for one spot, that's where you're going to see who rises to the occasion. And, hey, our initial look at this draft class for 2022, we might say there's a lot of crowded, you know, wide receiver and, and on defense with the slot defenders that – hey, what, what are we going to do with all these guys this year? Well, maybe we're looking at next year because I'll tell you what, on the wide receiver side, I think all those guys, other than Tony, are not going to be here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Galladay, Slayton, they, Shepard, I think all of them are out at this time um, next year. So why not? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yep. I think Galladay has a shot if he has a pretty good year this year. But Who? Who? I think Galladay has a shot back in year three if he has a, a pretty nice year this year. But I can yeah. see what you're saying. Because of the contract, you know, if he comes out and has a big year, then yeah. But if if but because of the contract, if we see a, a twenty twenty one repeat out of him, I think Ooh. there's a no brainer. Oh no, he, then he's then he's. Hey Dave, you know, looking at Flot, I got to be honest with you, bro. I see him on the outside. I don't think he's big enough for the slot. I look okay. at watching him in LSU. One thing I like about him, Dave, he's an aggressive kid. He is. He's not. Yeah. He doesn't. He, he does he play doesn't, aggressive. He he is aggressive. Has no problem putting a hat on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at his body size, Dave, and I gotta be honest with you, dude. I don't see him in a slot. I, I think he's off of the slot. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. The, the I always like to use these, and and sometimes these are valid, incredible. Sometimes they're not. But I always kind of look at what the new decision makers, Dable and Shane, they came from Buffalo, and they had a kid that played the nickel, really important part of their defense. Teron Johnson went to Weber State, 
he came out with a similar physical profile to Flott. Mm-hmm. Um, a little shorter, um, but a little thicker. But he put 10 pounds on since... Uh, and now he's one of the best slot corners in the game. Yeah. And so I, I just think skill set wise, like it's possible that Shane kind of looked at Buffalo's success and said, all right, what can I do to replicate what we did here with the draft, with free agency? There's a lot of parallels with what he's already done with this team to what Buffalo, how they kind of set up that foundation out there. So that was another reason why I projected slot, but I can definitely see, I do think Flot's best tape was on the outside. On the you. outside. Yep. So I agree with Dave. Um, yeah. Watch this t- when I watched his tape after the draft, after they drafted him, th- that was my two conclusions. Dave was that he's too small for the slot right now, right now. Right. Yep. And right. his best, I think he. That's where he has to try to make this team. Um, yeah. But we'll see. You know, we'll see how it plays out. Like you said, you know, Tehran, great example, Dave. By the way, Tehran up in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, because he's been, he was top three s- slot corner last year, Dave. Yeah, uh, I think the fact, past two years. Even been a pro bowl, unless I'm mistaken in that, but excellent, yeah. excellent. He turned into some play up there in Buffalo. So yeah, and those guys are hard to find. I'll tell you what, if you go watch quality nickel corners, slot corners, and the bad ones, which look it, it's really hard. It's a hard hard spot to fill. And I actually think now, you know, the defenses in the NFL, they play over fifty percent of their snaps in sub packages. So yeah. you can't really call it a sub package anymore. It's probably the base defenses having three corners or three safeties on the field. And you can make the argument that outside corner and slot corner are two different positions. And it's, you know, we, some might say, hey, Flott was not a, he was not a day two guy for an outside corner. Well, he probably was a day two guy for, for the slot corner, if you want to separate the two. Um, so I, I want to go back to the other third round pick, but also kind of jump to a later pick. Azudu and McKethan or McKethan, yeah. do you yep. do you put any stock in the fact that they were teammates? I mean, did the, did the Giants look at that at all and say just chemistry wise, like these these two guys could be our guards down the road? Or just curious your would, thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about it that way to be honest with you, but I do think it's kind of like the cherry on top. Like, I think it's I don't think it's something that would cause a pick, but I do think it's like another like, hey, we have three guys that we're trying to choose from right now. We have them graded equally. You know, let's let's see if we could find a certain angle here that these guys are teammates and we like we want them to play next to each other or on the same line. This could give us like that sneaky advantage. I mean, when you're talking about a late round draft pick like uh, McKeithen, right? It, it really, I, I hate to say it, it's a shot in the dark, but if you look at statistics and how long like the success yeah. rate of a sixth and seventh round pick, it is it's a shot in the dark. And if you could try to find one little angle that can increase your odds of this working out. That's definitely something. That's like an out of the box idea that that I like. Uh, I was, and I'm sure we'll get to McKeithen later, but I love Ezidu. I think he's going to be a starting guard on okay. this team next year. Hey. I think I think I think we're looking at a starting guard in 2023. Um, hmm. McKeithen, I wasn't wild about, and I was surprised that, you know, just reading what Shane said about him, that they viewed him as tackle guard versatility, and McKeithen has the size of a tackle, but I didn't think his play style resembled that at all. And if anything, you know, I think the leverage is going to be a huge issue with him at the next level and just the ability to redirect and play with a low center of gravity. I mean, maybe, maybe the thought is, and I also think this is another thing we need to think about when you're trying to progress, uh, project who's going to take who and mock drafts, like as much as we hate them, right. Is the giants have 10 linemen, I think, yeah. you know? So I think McKeithen's going to be destined for the practice squad and, so I, I do think a lot of teams, I had John Lynch say this, um, and I just read their transcript today on their draft, is 
sometimes you do make a draft pick late based on the fact that like, Hey, we don't have room for him on our 53 man roster. And if we put him on the practice squad, somebody's going to scoop him up. So therefore we're not going to draft this kid, even though we have a higher grade on him than the other three guys that we're looking at, because someone's going to take him off our practice squad. Yeah. It's kind of a wasted pick. So that's where I'm looking at McKeith and that they might look, view him as a practice squad guy for this season right. and try to kind of get some tackle ability out of him. Because honestly, I don't see him as a guard. Interesting. I, just, okay. I, I didn't undraft the grade on him. Yeah. Um, agree with hundred percent on McKeith no question about it. Dave, Ashra, Izidu, yeah. is that the way you say Izidu? Yep. Okay. Your um, guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a text last week from a, somebody that's pretty, you know, somebody I trust. Okay. And uh, I put it on Twitter, and he told me, hey, watch this Joshua kid by week four. This kid's um, – and don't be surprised if he's our guy in week one. Okay. Um, wow. And it's awesome. funny you said that, Dave. You, you kind of said, hey, this kid could be a starter by 2023, maybe even next year. Um, yep. Do you see that possibility? Is he is he have this kid by Halloween or by October 10th? Or even week one, if you look at the left guard, you know, you got a veteran Garcia right now is in there. And then you got, yep. you know, the Lemuse and this kid, Josh. Oh, hey, does this kid have a shot at being the starting Absolutely. left guard week one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, so there's two ways of looking at this, right? You look at him as a player, and then you look at the Giants' current situation, right? right? And if we talk about him as a player, I do think that his baseline talent right now, when you're talking about the ability to move your feet, the ability to play with heavy hands, and the ability to play a run block and pass block, his techniques, if I had, if you told me prior to the draft to give me the top five technique base linemen in the draft, He's on that list. And NFL coaches, they love that, right? If you have that base level, hey, this guy puts his hands where they need to be. He puts his feet where they need to be. He doesn't get overwhelmed by complex, you know, stunts and twists. You can work with that. That's a nice base level to have. And he has all of that. And, I mean, some of his best tape was at left tackle. I mean, they moved him all over the line. And that tells me this guy can pass protect. And when you, t- look, when you look at what he does in the running game, rolling his hips into the vendor, getting himself between the defender and the ball carrier, keeping his hands inside, I think that the coaches are going to really kind of be leaning towards him. They just, you just don't want to rush a guy. And I think that's why they brought Max Garcia in. It's like, hey, you know, Max Garcia, he's not going to go uh, earn any Pro Bowl nods this year, but you know that you have a baseline with him. You feel safe with him early on. So if sure. I had to really pro- – so I, I, that's why I don't think he'll be starting week one as due. Um, but I could see it definitely by mid-year, especially if they want to get him some experience or if an injury pops up. Uh, but don't, don't sleep on Lemieux either. I, I think that he's going to – if his knee can bounce back fully, I think that he's going he's gonna to fight for a spot. That dude's a fighter. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that he might be between as due and a starting left guard job if, Ma- if Max Garcia does not work out or if he gets hurt. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Interesting. 
Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back in uh, after this. Hang on one second. Awesome. And we're back. All right, um, Dave, I don't know if you know this, but uh, day two, uh, Giant fans were on Suicide Watch pretty much on Twitter. And look, and, and it's a lot of it's because they were expecting names like N'Kobe Dean to be mentioned when he's sitting there, McBride, you know, the yep. ones that you kind of went yep. over your first go-round. I don't want to jump to any Eagles here, but I have to ask the question about N'Kobe Dean. Yeah. What the hell happened there? I it, it just were there a million injuries? Was there one injury? Just it's the, it's like the mystery of the draft, dude. I'm just it, curious. It, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll give you a guess. I don't know, so I just want to put that out there. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, I was kind of pounding the table for the Giants. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I do think that would have been a, a worthy gamble, and I'll, I think I can get into why I don't think the Giants did it. But I will say that we talked about this, I, I believe his, or I, I made a tweet about this and we talked about it, his size profile for linebackers in this league, more often than not, when I say it's probably over 95% of the time, when you're under six foot under 230 pounds with some injury history, it doesn't work out. Right. I mean, we're already looking at the Steelers just declined the option on Devin Bush, right? That's like the last time we've seen a linebacker coming at that size. Yeah. And it really is. I'm, I do as much as the game is changing towards space, speed, coverage, pursuit. You still, as an inside linebacker, you need to mix it up with guards and centers. You need to get off blocks. And hey, I wanted Dean. I like. I think Dean's a really good player. But I think it was less about the pec injury right now and more about the multiple soft tissues issue, soft tissue issues mm-hmm. that he's had <laughs> at that size. Okay. And that, that can scare a lot of teams off, are those kind of medicals where you just have a lot of, you know, soft tissue issues there. Got it. Okay. That's a mouthful to say. That's fine. Well, this is going to be a hit or miss with him because I, I was going crazy. I was going crazy. Like, I was like, what's going on with Dean? What, Dave? All that undersized stuff and all that, but you watch him on film like you have. Yep. Very active linebacker playing in the best conference in football last year. And he it's, was all over the and every time you saw him, he was all over the damn. Yeah, it stung to see him go to Philadelphia. That's that, I will say yeah. that that was that was not a team I wanted to see him go to. Right. Yeah. So I hope you know. I hope the giant. You know. I hope everybody that passed on him. I, I, all I know is now. I hope. I'll the tell kid, you what. Go ahead. These guys. He did not know that was going to happen. Nope. And like that, no. even because I'll tell you what. If he did, sometimes these players they get that information. Like, hey, you're going to fall. They would not show up to the draft all decked out in a suit. You know, like yeah. he was one of the guys that the draft invited and he went. He yeah. was taking all the pictures and to not see him go until round. I mean, that was just. That he fired his mind. agent. He fired his agent today, I think. I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. Yeah. And, and that's why, look, it was just they're, they're, the names that came out. Like now you learn more about him and you're like, okay, this is what the Giants wanted to go for. They wanted to go for a, a yeah. guard with that could maybe as a swing tackle, um, a, an outside corner, slot corner. And, yes. and a kid at receiver who fits their mold. So I think people felt better, but they also felt better with the following day with some right. of the draft picks that were made. Um, right. You know, Chris, I'll kick it back to you after this, but, you know, the, the, the next one on the board, Bellinger, what, what can you tell us there? Yeah, I mean, definitely at the, the prototype, we talked about this, this tight end group was really deep compared to previous years. I mean, you had six or seven guys that really fit that wide tight end profile and guys that can – you know, be a threat to catch the ball, be a, uh, be a, a good enough threat to block, which we haven't had out of the starting di- tight end here in New York for a long time. And 
the Giants, they waited. They waited longer than I thought they would to go grab the tight end. And they were fortunate Bellinger was there. He was kind of like maybe like the last one, I would really say, that was there that could help them out. Um, I did think that he was the one guy in that group that probably won't be able to help out much right away. Hmm. However, just based on the Giants' tight end depth chart, he might be thrown in there <laughs> earlier than he wants to be. And, you know, it, we'll see. Baptism by fire here, right? And I think sometimes that's the best way to do it. But the tight end position, it's really tough to play as a rookie. Yeah. You know, when you look at, at at some of the best tight ends in the game right now, they didn't do much the rookie year. It's 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 not common to see. It's just a really tough position to play um, that has a lot of different demands. You have all the demands of the receivers. You have all the demands of the offensive linemen. And what I do like about him is that he comes from an offense that runs the crap out of the ball. So he's got a lot of blocking experience, right? Like he And he's tough. You know, he's not going to shy from blocking. He's not... You know, we just watched Evan Ingram for a few years and just get mangled at the point of attack. It almost seemed like he was afraid to really go after guys his last two years. And you're not going to see that out of Bellinger. And he's got the size. He's going to go up and win some 50-50 balls. Dave, did you have him like around a fourth round? Was that a yeah, surprise? I had, a fourth? Yeah, I had, yep, yep, I had okay. a fourth round pick on him. Like early early day three grade is where I stacked him. And so, yeah, that was that was a pick that, I would have loved to see Jeremy Ruckert in third round. He was sitting there for him. Uh, went to the Jets. You know, another team you don't want to see one of your one of your guys go to. But um, he was a Jets fan anyway, so screw him. But no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Bellinger, I think is is. I wouldn't say it's someone you're going to be excited about. Like you know, Thibodeau, he excites you, right? Robinson, they, he excites you. But you know, the Giant, you don't need someone. You know, remember, I think one of the best tight ends the Giants have had in the past. You know, 12, 13 years, Jake Ballard. Remember him? Sure. I mean, he just one kind of year just, of yep. awesomeness. Yeah, and he's just quiet. He, he wasn't a sexy player, but he just kind of got the job done. And that's kind of like the profile that I fit Bellinger in. That maybe he won't be a feature Travis Kelsey type, but if he can give you reliable blocking and catch the ball and not drop it um, in a big game against the Eagles downfield when he's wide open, um, you, you know, I think it's gonna he'll, he'll win the the hearts of the Giants. What do you mean? Who are you talking about? <laughs> oh my God, this is like taking shots at Evan. Dave, I gotta say I disagree on one thing. Yeah. If the Giants throw a fade in the corner to Bellinger, he will get a standing ovation. So oh, I think yes. they will get excited for him. So <laughs> I agree. Well, Dave, one position the Giants look needed to address. They did with their other fourth round pick, Dane Belton from Iowa. Yeah. Um, tell us what you know. What you see in this case? Does he beat out Julian Love here? <laughs> I mean. There's not it's many safeties on his roster, Dave. What are you seeing with this guy? It's funny. He brings a different skill set than Julian Love. So I think you're actually going to see these guys on the same field. Uh, sorry, on the field at the same time. Right. McKinney, McKinney's going to be the stud. I think he's one guy that Giants fans should be really happy about, uh, yeah. just really excited about in this secondary. But I think that he's going to kind of be the do-it-all, the center fielder, make big plays. Um, Julian Love and Dane Belton, they had different body types, different play styles. I think Julian Love is more – pass defender cover man dane belton's going to kind of be that extra linebacker uh when when wink baltimore they drafted a kid named geno stone and him and dane from iowa and him and dane belton kind of played that similar role similar profile as well but belton's a little bit bigger um he has a a jabril peppers type uh play style where he's going to make an impact against the run he can pursue sideline to sideline um, he can play like almost like a nickel linebacker, dime linebacker type position. I do get worried about him against wide receivers on an island. 
Um, because the one thing that I saw him and Michael Mc, uh, and McFadden as well, who I'm sure we'll talk about, it's I call it core tightness, where hey, they can time well when you tell them to run a 40, a three cone, a shuttle when they know when they exactly they know exactly where they're going, when they're going. But when they have to react quickly, they just don't have like that swift left to right movement. And I get a little worried about that if he's going to be matched up against receivers in man on man coverage. And I don't know if he's big enough to really match up with tight end. So I struggle to see the fit here as in, in pass defense. Um, if you guys know that safety from the Colts, Andrew Sandejo, that's kind of who I compared him to stud special teamer, solid run defender. Don't give him a lot of pass coverage responsibility. I always like Sandejo, uh, Dave. Oh, you know, a good player, but yeah. you know, he's surrounded by good players. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, you know, just no. I mean, again, what are you expecting here in the fourth round? When I when I look at when I label someone a fourth rounder, you're hoping the guy can be a starter or a heavy rotation player. And I don't know in two to three years, but you're not. He's not going to be a focal point of the defense. So again, right. you can't get upset about a fourth round pick. I just I get a little worried about safeties that struggle to stick with receivers in space. You started talking about McFadden. <clears throat> yeah. Look, the, the giant linebacker position beyond you know, and I'm talking about the. The middle of the of the yeah. of the three four the the two, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know beyond Blake Martinez it's it's Tay Crowder and then a bunch of names. Does McFadden have a shot at supplanting Tay Tay Crowder or do you see him backing up at first? I mean, you know you said he's a little limited, but um, just where do you see him fitting in? Yeah, I mean it's another Big Ten linebacker, right? We've seen Cam Brown come in here. We've seen Ryan Connolly come in here. Similar guys in that. You know, he's similar to Connolly in that I think he could do a lot of damage in between the tackles. Uh, he's he's a missile downfield. And he's one of those guys, again, Giant fans will love him on special teams. They'll love him yeah. when he's stuffing the inside run. But the plays where you're – like the, a lot of these running games in the NFL are outside zone now where they kind of give these guys um, la- the ball laterally in space and kind of tell them to find a crease and cut up whenever you find that window. And that's where – like. You know, Ohio State runs that kind of offense, and that's where I thought McFadden got exposed. And I get a little worried about his range as a run defender. I think he can be good B-gap to B-gap. But when you start telling him to go to C-gap, run to the outside, um, and again, you can probably pull up a highlight reel of him making plays on the on the outside. But when he's matched up against real caliber NFL speed or a sophisticated run system that runs outside zone, I think there's going to be a little issue there because – of the core tightness just does not have that natural fluid reaction. Uh, mm. But again, at this point in the draft, if you can get a stud special teamer, which I think he will be, and you know, a guy that can provide the depth that Ryan Connolly did before he got hurt. I think it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good pick. And, you know, Shane was a part of a Buffalo draft room. They did a really good job with the linebackers up there, you know, in the draft, in the middle rounds and, and even in the undrafted free agency period. So, I do kind of want to err on the side that he knows what he's doing with his position. And, uh, but, you know, looking at him versus N'Kobe Dean, it's kind of tough to, to give it a double thumbs up. Again with N'Kobe Dean. Dave. Yeah, I'm a little, I mean, little bitter. So are we. <laughs> oh, my, Dave. Trust me. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, Dave, they needed some depth. On the- uh, they go on, they draft DJ Davidson, the Arizona State kid in the fifth round. Yep. Uh, tell us what you see with this guy. Really important position to the Martindale defense is that nose tackle spot. And you need mm-hmm. to because you got to have depth. These guys get banged up a lot. I think Justin Ellis is on a one-year deal. Uh, yeah. Who knows? You know, still the million-dollar question is how does Wink Martindale use Dexter Lawrence in this defense? So 
Mm. You know, I'm, I'm just not sure. It's been it's been a weird situation with him. They've been I just think he's been out of position since he's been drafted. But now you have a new defensive mind in here. What you do you know, think his natural position is? Sorry to interrupt. Three, four nose tackle. Let okay. him two gap. Let him let him push the pocket back. I don't think you're ever going to get a lot of pass rush out of him, other than you know an effective bull rush, which we see time to time. But Davidson's a guy that I think he reminds me of a kid that I really loved out of Virginia Tech a few years ago. His name's Tim Settle. He got drafted Jimmy's- by Washington. Yep, he got drafted by Washington. Yep. Shined in two in 2020 when the injury started to pile up, but he just he didn't get a lot of playing time in 2021. Yeah. And he just recently signed a two year deal with Buffalo. Ironically, Buffalo keeps coming up. Um, and that's kind of who he reminds me of. He need he has some body work to do. Uh, just he's a little. It just looks like a little, a little like weak below the leg, uh, below the waist. And I think he's got some extra loose meat up top. Where I think if he kind of just spends a year in this pro strength and conditioning program, um, and not really being pressured to be into the thrown into the mix early on, because you have Ellis, you have I'm sure they're going to use David Moa in that backup role. You can put Dexter Lawrence in there. And, you know, occasionally you can find a 3-4 nose tackle as, as training camp goes underway once guys start getting cut. But I think Davidson's going to be a guy. He has some tools that are hard to find, a combination of tools that are hard to find. He's got the size, just the natural mass to him. He's got good length. And his footwork, he's got pretty quick feet in pursuit. If you watch some of his tape, you don't even have to get the All-22. You can just go on YouTube and watch some of his tape. His He can move his feet. He can pick them up and, and – you know, really kind of keep them chopping post-engagement, his pad level just isn't there. And I think that's one thing that really comes from working on your strength in the in the weight room in a, in a pro program, uh, which he's going to be in now. And you no longer have to deal with classes and being a college kid. Your job is to train now. And I think this is going to be a situation where we say, hey, Davidson, you're probably not going to see the field this year. Um, you know, increase the, 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 the power that you can produce. Yeah, power you can produce from your legs and, and – you know, which will enhance your ability to play with a proper pad level. And the combination of talent that he has elsewhere is good length, good hands, good uh, good foot quickness. I think he could be a player. I love the phrase. I was laughing. Loose meat up top. I got to use it. <laughs> I got a bench today. It's, I got some loose meat up top. Yeah, yeah. Well, just so you know, if I ever meet him in person, I won't I won't label him that way. It's <laughs> good stuff, man. Um, one guy that you, you seem to like based on your write-ups. And by the way, um, I'll admit – uh, listen, some of these later guys, I was retweeting you because I'm like, uh, you know, oh, I, oh, yeah. who the hell is this guy? Like, Darian Beavers was a good one. You seem yeah. to like him a lot. Uh, what, do, lot. what do you tell yeah. us there? And here's a question for you. Do you like him more than, than Micah McFadden or is he a different type of linebacker? It, he is a different kind of linebacker. Um, but I did – I wanted the Giants to draft this kid in the, in the fourth or fifth round. And to see where they got him, I, that this probably was my, my top value pick for the Giants. Yeah. And – I'll tell you what he does differently than, than McFadden is you can put him all over the defense. You could put him inside where you have McFadden uh, slated, but even on passing downs, you can put him as an S rusher. He has edge rushing movement capabilities with the bend, the lockout game, hand placement, and he can turn a tight edge. That's one thing I always look for when watching an edge rusher, and he can do it. He did it several times, and I just I love the attitude he plays with. He's the kind of guy that, like, you look at the Giants teams from – you know, the late 80s, early 90s, like that attitude that they had from those three, four linebackers, mm. that, that Beavers would have been a perfect fit for that. And he's, mm. he's a mean dude. He's an alpha male. I think the Giants need more to that on defense. And I think you're going to see that. You combine that attitude, that approach with Wink Martindale, I think he's going to get the most out of him. And Martindale might be one of the best defensive coordinators for a guy like Beavers. 
And I said that I actually said that he looks like a Raven, a Steeler, a Patriot. To he me did yep, prior sorry. to the draft, and I think yeah. that you know now that you have the Ravens, you know, mind, uh, defensive mind running our show here in New York, I think that it's going to be a really good fit. I think you guys are going to be really happy about him. Get Dave beyond nasty. You know, yes. he, he's the you do not want to meet him in an alley. And really? if, if, yeah, if you're ever in a situation where you need some muscle behind you or that, that's the guy that you want walking off the bus first, you know, I think he's <laughs> going to be, and you know, it brings energy to the other guys on the defense too. And I think that's something that giants, you saw glimpses of it underground, but I always felt like they just lacked some, you know, just attitude, you know, they need right. a few more guys that are going to step up there and just play mean, you know, if you're, if you're going to get beat fine, beat them up though, you know, let these guys know that, you know, anytime you come into this MetLife Stadium, you're going to get beat up. You might you might win because the Giants, you know, they're still a year or two away, but you're going to get beat up. And I think the Beavers kind of adds to that personality. Dave, you know, the way you broke these kids down, like Belton, Beavers, McFat, it seems to me, Dave, that Wink had a pretty good influence on this draft of some of these kids. That they I think drafted. that's a good observation. That's a really good observation. I think that uh, Wink had a huge part in, in so, and you know, I, I trust Joe Shane when he says this, I think he really does. He saw what cohesion did in Buffalo. When your coaches in front office are really tr- same page, it will make your football team better. And at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to win games. And when your front office and coaching staff are, you know, in unison, I think it's going to it's going to make a huge difference and Wink Martindale definitely had his personality put into this draft class. So not a good idea when your head coach and GM don't speak for the like the last 4 months of the season like last <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say that might put you in the tier of worst team in the NFL for a long time. <laughs> um we can get to the undrafted free agents, but first I want to ask you Dave like great analysis on all these guys, but based on what the Giants have now and what they've added, you know, an easy one is Thibodeau and Aziz, right? Like, that's going to be fun eventually. Like, if not this year, it'll be fun next year. What else excites you about who they've added compared to who they have and how they play together? Anything else jump out at you? Well, in in terms of actual prospects, um, I mean, I I would say – I mean, I'm personally, I love Lyman. I'm excited about Evan Neal because I think, I think that what you're going to see out of him is you're going to see movement off the ball. And that's one thing I've broken down. You know, I do some draft uh, post-game write-ups for the Giants, and I watch, you know, every game tape two or three times, and I, I focus on different attention. Uh, I put different attention on different position groups every time I watch. And the one constant I always saw with the Giants running game, and it, this is screwed Saquon Barkley, they never got to push off the ball, ever. Yeah. They were always either getting uh, stood up at the point of attack or getting pushed back. And Evan Neal is going to, he's going to get moving off the ball and he he's, he's explosive. He weighs a lot and he just has like that natural, you know, manpower all on him that he's going to, he's going to be mixing me up with, with NFL linemen right away. And I think he's going to do damage. So I get excited about that. And, you know, I, I just, I'm excited to watch a new regime of Giants football with the new coaching staff. It seems like right. we're we're approaching more modern football. And even if you're an old school guy, right? Like, hey, I I can I'm 36. I consider myself an old school guy. I love ground and pound, get uh, you know, pass rushers, all this stuff. But right. the, the the way the game is moving right now, I think the Giants have that new way of thinking right now, and it's 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 going to be fun to watch. Dave, some of the young drafted free agents, not going to get into all of them, it's 14, whatever it was, 
But there's a mm. few that are intriguing. I'm, I'm curious to get your take. One of them is a tight end, Austin Allen out of Nebraska. Mm. And he's like 6'8", 253. What do you yeah. mean? Um, what could you say about what could you about him? Every bit of six eight. Sometimes you get these these measurements from schools, and you're like, ah, oh, they're probably fabricating. And then they go to the combine; they're three inches smaller, twenty pounds. Right. He is every bit of six eight, and you know, I, I don't love guys that are very linear, meaning they just have a hard time going left and right, stopping, changing direction. But in a tight end position, where you're really trying to, I mean, you know what he's going to be used for, right? Throw the ball into a contest, contested situation, and you simply right. hope he can outreach everybody. He did that at a high level. He's got a lot of tape where he's catching the ball in contested situations. And in some situations, you don't want that, right? You don't always want a receiver, tight end or wide receiver, that is always in a contested situation because it means they're not fast enough, right? You know Allen's not a a very fast, twitchy athlete, but you know he can catch the ball in traffic. And this tight end situation here, it is wide open. And I I think he's going to make the team. One other undrafted free agent that kind of caught my eye, you know, when I had to do the write-up on him. He spent, I think, believe it was six years in North Carolina, but he did put up a lot of numbers. An edge kid by the name of yep, Tom, Fox. Uh, Tomon Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually finished. I know it was six years or whatever, it was five years, red shirt, whatever it was. He did finish right. third all time, you know, at, at at UNC in sacks. What yep. do you, you know? What do you think about this kid? I mean, you look at some of his numbers, tackles for loss, pretty, you know, not bad, Dave. So, what do you what do you think about him? Yeah. That was a good find. I thought him and Corker, the safety for Kentucky, were my two favorite pickups after the draft. And I, I think this kid, Fox, I think his bend and power are NFL caliber right now. I think he's got some Quincy Roche in him. I don't think he's as fast, straight line. But his power, his bend, and his techniques, they're all – like they stand out. You, there are certain pass rushers you watch and you say, all right, he already knows what he's doing. You know, he's not the most physically gifted kid in the world, but he knows what he's doing. And that's what I see out of Fox. I think he's going to be a kid that comes in and takes the NFL coaching right away. And, you know, that bend off the edge, the ability to play under the tackles with proper hand placement, that can do a lot of damage. That's a great starting point. So I think, you know, if I had to predict, you know, give you two or three guys that I think are going to make this team, I think it's going to be Allen, Fox, and then the safety corker from Kentucky. Well, go ahead, Dave, because that was my third kid <laughs> that I wanted yeah, to talk Corker. about. This Keith Walker from yeah. Kentucky. Tell us what yeah. you see in him. Jabril Wilson. Remember watching him. That's who he yes. reminds me of. Just okay. a kid really? that he fly, he flies around, and he's got really good instincts, and he knows where to be, and he knows how to get there. His biggest issue, and I think it's one of the reasons why he went undrafted, he, he has a lot of missed tackles, and he's kind of just like one of these all-or-nothing kids. You know what? That's a trend in football now, college and the NFL. You're seeing more and more of that now. These guys that just kind of go for the knockout punch. Or, you know, the number one thing I hate to see is, you know, you're showing your eyeballs to the ground as you're going to tackle someone. They get, you know, I think there's, there's going to be some work that needs to be done with him. But his instincts, his closing speed, and his willingness to mix it up with a downhill ball carrier is it's it's fun to watch. I remember Jibril Wilson's rookie year. That was like the thing that stood out the most about him, just flying around the field and and kind of just, you know, reckless abandon almost. And, you know, the highlight reels look, look nice, but the, the low lights look pretty bad. So I think that's going to be one thing you really need to clean up. And I bet he makes a team, and I bet he's a factor on special teams right away. Interesting, that- Jibril Wilson, dude. This is the stuff I remember. I remember Tim Lewis, we couldn't stand, defensive coordinator, yeah. commenting that, 
well, Wilson looks good, but he's running around like a chicken without a head right now. Oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, but he's making plays, Tim. Yeah. So it it was just, it's funny that you brought him up and he, his rookie year, he was awesome. Oh, he's awesome. Yep. And uh, a fifth round pick, I think, for him or him. Tennessee, I think, might have been fourth. Okay. Fourth or fifth. Okay. Might have been. So he, and that, that's the kind of the style that Corker plays with is, you know, if he's going to make mistakes, it'll be an aggressive mistake. And you can live with that with young players. Eventually, you got to clean it up. It's kind of like what we saw out of Tay Crowder, right? You know, really aggressive player right away, but eventually you got to clean it up or you're going to be out. And I think that's what you're going to see with Corker. Can you clean up the mistakes? And if you can, you're going to be a player. If not, you'll be replaced in two, three years. Sivertson, you were right. Fifth round. I always, okay. I admit my mistakes, buddy. Fifth round. Awesome. Nice job. All right. <laughs> good, re- good, good <laughs> quick research. <laughs> Hey, Dave, you know, yeah. I'm looking at my write-up here, notes on the cork, and that's what I have. Welcomes contact, yep. high football IQ. I also have that. Yep. Um, yep. Big body who loves yeah, to mix it up. very easy to see. Big body yep. who loves to mix it up, and he left UK last year with eight passes defensed, you know, so. Yeah. Um, you think that was the reason, Dave, that he didn't get drafted? Was it a missed tackle issue? Yeah, missed tackle issue, and, you know, he's he's a little undersized for the style that he plays. Usually when you see a guy play with this style, you want to see him play a little bit bigger, or right. measure, sorry, measure a little bit bigger. Right. Um, and I don't think he ran particularly well either, so you're not going to be putting him in center field trying to defend a deep pass, uh, you know, trying to defend these new Eagles wide receivers, right? But I think that, you know, you put him in the box. He might even be like a kind of like a poor man's version of Dane Belton. From Iowa, kind of just right. like a similar style player. Right. You don't want to get him alone on an island against an NFL wide receiver. But if you can keep him in this specialized role, he'll make an impact. You just got to make sure you protect him. Dave, uh, I want to quote what you re- what you wrote in the Insider this week, and an excellent job as always. You said, "Let this play out. Let the development occur, and be patient. This class has the potential to get this ship going in the right direction. No question." It is the only way. And to me, awesome quote, reminding me a little bit of Mandalorian. Uh, this is the way. I think you yeah. need a nickname, dude, whether it's the Maven or the Mandal, something. I mean, when you wrote, I got chills when you wrote that. And I know you don't yeah. like to grade drafts, but yeah. all, all kidding aside, buddy, um, you think this was a step in the right direction. I do. And I, I like I like how the Giants handled it. It almost felt like they went a little safe this year. And that's, you kind of have to with, with you know, it's interesting that the Giants, they said that they had six players that they wanted with those in the first seven picks. There were six guys. So that means mm. that, in my opinion, what that means is one of the guys that went before the Giants was not on their board. All right. So if you look at the top seven picks of the draft, right, you had yeah. Walker, Hutchinson, Stingley, Gardner, and you had uh, Thibodeau, you had Equanu and Neil, who we, they basically acknowledged that Equanu and Neil were you know, 1A and 1B, right? So what guy in the top Stingley. six? It, it was Stingley. Stingley. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's because they did not want to play a risky game with the first draft under this regime. I mean, this wasn't even Shane's scouting staff, right? He's already, you know, the dominoes are falling already with, with guys coming in and guys getting fired, right? So I think, and that makes me feel good about this regime, is that they, they kind of did things the safe way this year, and it might not look sexy, and I think that's why they didn't go after Dean either. They didn't want to have one of these early picks. Like the first, second, third round, man, like that's where you have to build your nucleus. And the Giants have been so bad in the third round. They've had a lot of misses in the second round as well. You can't have misses in these first three rounds. And I think they just wanted to get away from the risk early on. And I like that. I think the ship's going in the right direction. In the past, we saw the Giants just kind of, you know, whether it was Jerry Reese and just gambling on these, 
you know, tools. Aaron, remember the tight end, Robinson, right? He was the JPP of, JPP tight, ends. of like, tight ends. How'd that work out, right? So I, I think that, you know, it's it's really going to turn out to be a draft that we look back on three, four years from now. It's going to be a foundational draft that really got the ship going in the right direction. But you got to make sure you're not looking for this draft to turn around the 2022 football team. It's, I my think God, it's, Dave. Those yeah, third rounds, you, you brought it up. Holy, yeah. J. Ron Hosley. Oh, my God. Oh, the man, names. I know. Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. So, Dave, I, I, I put a tweet out before the draft saying, okay, Shane's got the fifth and the seventh pick and all that. But keep an eye on Joe in the middle rounds. Okay? This is where I feel because they had pretty good success up in Buffalo, with, you know, with Brandon Bean yep. and him. And I said, this is where, I, you know, where I feel Shane is going to earn his money, Dave. So tell me. Does yep. Shane earn his money with these middle round picks, Dave? I mean, if you're asking me, I, I, my, my personal like, let's grade, put it this way, Dave. Do you like what he did in the middle round? I like what I like what he did, and what I like is it seems like these guys have a very specific plan, right? It almost seemed like the Giants came into the middle round saying, "Hey, we want a certain profile for the certain role that we have in offense and defense. Let's go get that guy because if we get the profile, and when I say profile, the tools, the intangibles." Uh, the experience in college, the versatility in college, right? They right. got these profiles, and now they're going to trust in their coaching staff to say, hey, the profile's here. You know, it might not be Mel Kuyper's best-rated player, right, as if they ever cared about that, but it's the profile that they went after. And whether you thought this guy was a reach or not, it just doesn't matter, right? They have the profile. Now it's on the coaches to develop the profile that they said they wanted. And I think that is where I see the unison between front office and coaching staff. Well, Dave, listen, um, you know, if anybody had any, look, I, if there was any bad feelings during the draft, it was, it was day two, then day three happened. Everybody was happy. And then as we learned more about these guys, I think we're all feeling much better about this draft than in years past. And, and you hit on a, a key point. It didn't seem like they were reaching, they were playing it safe. There weren't many projects. Yep. Um, a lot of guys that are healthy in college, like that's key. Right. Yep. And look, man, your analysis, like Chris said, is really second to none. And um, you do a hell of a job. And we really want to thank you for coming on, not just giving your thoughts, but really making us all feel a lot better about all this. And you know, <laughs> if we had any doubts at all about Robinson or Flott, um, you know, uh, your analysis is, is very much appreciated, bud. And did I thank tell you, you for Jerry, the kind did, words. Did I tell you this story, Jerry? So about two weeks ago, I'm, I, I'm reading the New York Post. I read my Paul Schwartz's article. And all of a sudden, I'm reading Schwartz's like, and Dave Syverson, I'm like, look at that son of a you-know-what is poaching Dave Cyrus. I said, where do I see Schwartz Friday at the rookie minicamp? But the point the point being is that Dave Syverson is big time, my man. I mean, you know, he's in a post now. Look at him. He's like a big star. He's all over the damn place now. I'm on your podcast. That's what that you guys, you guys are the stars. You need the nickname though, dude. So you got, you got to, you know, you got to size. All right, just a short version of your name. You need something. I, I, I like, I like the Maven or something. Like somebody who knows everything about everything. I don't know. <laughs> I'll try to put some thought into it because uh, one of the goals this year is to be more active on Twitter. So if anyone out there has a good idea, send me something on Twitter, and we'll maybe we'll run with it. And thank you for saving me in rounds five and six because I'm just like, okay, cool, <laughs> Davidson. Sounds good yeah. to me. <laughs> yep. Whenever you need that, man, I got you. <laughs> and get the work on 2023, will you? I mean, there's no vacation. Yes, <laughs> I will. Spring, I will. You I know mean, I will. Spring game, this spring game's going on all over the place, Dave. I hope you're on top of this. Trust me. Oh, I already have some of those notes down, so don't you worry about that. <laughs> good stuff, man. Man, it's great talking to you again, Dave. All right, thank you, guys.
All right, Dave. All right. All right. So that was, uh, that was Dave Sivertson obviously does an awesome job. Um, Chris is another subject we've got to talk about at least cover uh, the release of James Bradbury, which you've been saying for weeks that he wasn't going to be part of this team. It finally happened. Um, most importantly, are you, are you worried about this? Uh, look, he's our top corner and you don't want to lose a top corner, but it was something everybody knew was coming, Jerry. They need the money and the young kids are going to play now and they're going to compete. And when you might see some veteran, you know, you might see a veteran coming here over the summer before the season starts, you know, when guys get cut or guys that are still on the market, if he could free up some money. And it, it is what it is. They, uh, Jerry, yeah. nobody wants... Look, Joe Shane didn't want to lose Bradbury, dude. Right. Joe Shane didn't want to lose Bradbury, but he really had no choice, Jerry. You yeah, know? there's nothing they could do. It had to be done. They have to sign yeah. this rookie class. You need some more money. Besides, after you sign a rookie class, you need some money to make some moves left, you know, transact. So... You know, the young kids are going to compete. You might bring a veteran here over the summer, which I expect. And it is what it is, Jerry. You know, um, yeah. it, it, it's a, you know, in this business, and Joe Shane said it, you have to make some tough decisions. He's a great kid. And, you know, dealing with Bradbury for two years, he is a great, he's a great dude, Jerry. Always great with the media. Uh, he's still a pretty good corner. But, you know, it was a move that we all expected, and it happened. So now we move on. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Um, right now, prediction: Who do you see on the outside taking his place? I think I know. I think you said it before, but I'm just curious. Who I see on the outside? Who do you, who do you see taking his spot? I'm gonna go with a. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Aaron Robinson's an outside guy. I think he's. I'm gonna. No, I, I think you said Rodarius it before. Williams. Oh, Williams. nice one. All right, cool. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say flat just because you said you see him on the outside. I for, you know what, dude? I actually forgot about Rodarius Williams. I think a lot of people forgot. <laughs> Don't forget, he yeah. wasn't that bad, and he got hurt last year, remember? And then the no, season he wasn't. Was he was kind of a surprising So, camp. look, I'm going to say Rodarius right now. I mean, but, you know, that's going to change probably. But um, Flott, I haven't seen him, Jerry. I don't know. I'm not no, going to go with him. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm i not quite sure if he's going to be a practice squad. We'll see when he start, when I see him on the field. But I ha- obviously have seen Rodarius. I have seen Jaron Williams. Aaron Robinson, I like a lot of things about him. I don't know if he's going to be suited more for the slot. We'll find out. But right now... I'm going to say Redarius Williams. All right, buddy. Good call. We'll see what happens. Anything else you want to cover? No, that's it, man. So, uh, cool. okay. Uh, great job by Dave. We covered all these kids. You know, draft the free agents, some of the guys he likes. And uh, yeah. And we'll talk next week. Yep. All right, guys. To order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com and go to Magster for a digital subscription. That's M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. All right, guys. Remember, Sundays are giant days, baby. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.